by you because you are worthy to be praised and worthy to be adored. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. You've given us everything that we need, Father. All we need to do is keep you in in our central focus and we will recognize and realize these things. We'll realize what great love, great provision you've made for us in all things. So we thank you for this opportunity to worship you and be in your presence to hear your word and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about what's in your hand, the old or the new. What's in your hand? Is it the old or is it the new? Amen. We know that um, we are people who have had a past life that we've died to, hopefully, (laughs) but we'll talk a little bit about how uh, the challenge of staying in the new uh, with God, uh, living for God is quite an adventure. And we have to constantly stay current in the new thing in God. I know sometimes I've felt this often on the past, you know, sometimes you feel like, I need some exciting to happen in my Christian walk, you know. Nothing exciting's happening. And I just believe that God has a remedy for that and, and so that's that's to continue in the new, open up the new. I always see these uh uh face Facebook posts from people as God's transitioning you now and all every day four times a day and I'm thinking, Man, if you could live through that, you have four transitions in one day. But anyway, uh but you know, I, I understand what people mean. They're trying to encourage people that God is always up to something with us. He's up to something good. He's always moving us toward greater things, but as people we tend to not be aware of that all the time sometimes you can get into a kind of a, a spiritual rut where you have a you have a routine maybe there were things you did they were new at one time but that kind of seem old and routine now and i think there has to be a place where we have a routine as a foundation you know but we can expect new things to come into our life in god <clears throat> but the new things really require a change on the inside of us. We all know that. There has to come a, a new dedication, a new excitement and anticipation of things. We gotta get the word in us in a fresh and a new way. So I thought I would go back to the book of Exodus and uh go over some things uh in the call of Moses to the ministry and everybody is called of God. Uh, we are called to be children of God. We're called to his presence and, and to his kingdom. Uh, whether you are a fivefold minister or uh, a believer, lay minister, you have a ministry in God. You have a call in God and you have a work to do for God. And that's the most important thing. It's not title call that you're called and all that let's get beyond that and go to the work that you're called to as a child of God and I think that's what Moses was most concerned about he wasn't concerned about uh, being uh, a man who who talked with God face to face or being a prophet of God but he was concerned about the work that he was called to do and I can relate to that in so many ways when I first started 
began in the things of God. I kind of had a, a unusual start because I was housebound uh, for about five years. As uh, the first five years of my uh, salvation, I wasn't at a place uh, um, of healing in my soul and emotionally where I could be consistent doing anything. And uh, I I can understand people who struggle with consistency uh, because I but but my problem was a, a mental breakdown that caused me not to be able to understand things very well and hold on to things and have a good foundation. And so as I was housebound, I was not uh, away from my Bible and a source of growth in God that I could draw from at that time. When you receive from God a foundation, then he builds upon that foundation. So I discourage people from staying housebound and reading their own Bible. After you, if you're able to get out in the fellowship, do it. Because I longed to do it and just wasn't able to. You know, I would get out somewhere, start having panic attacks. Or I would go somewhere and I could stay for a short time, but not the duration. It was a challenge for me to sit anywhere for longer than a half hour 20 minutes or so and so but God continued to heal me through his word and and he continued to help me to stretch my faith out to where I could get out and and be among believers and and, uh, discern where he wanted me to be etc etc and so I know God can help anybody at any level of their believing but there did come a time where When I was consistent in fellowship, that the call of God began to get clear to me. And so I can understand where Moses is because anybody, when God, I'm talking about God for real. I'm not talking about this imaginary thing that so many people have. Because when God calls you for real, there's something about what comes into you that puts you in a perspective of of your actual stature. Spiritually speaking. And if somebody is so inflated that they're willing to challenge and fight authority for a right to do something, they haven't really heard from God. Because when God calls you, your, your, your understanding of your ability really comes clear to you and you understand if nothing else how ill-equipped you are to do anything for anybody and and barely hanging on to sanity yourself you understand what i'm saying so that perspective has got to be uh, uh it's got to be accurate you must have an accurate when that call comes to you you understand exactly where you measure up what your qualifications are and you're not going around trying to prove to anybody that you're somebody the call of God humbles you and it gets you to understand that this is serious. This is the God that created the whole universe telling me that he has something for me to do for him. And uh, it's just it's 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 humbling. It's mind boggling and it's exciting all at the same time because you want to do these things and you want to get out there but you know that that this is serious work i mean it's it's not like god is is making you feel scared to do anything 
But there becomes a, a sincerity that has to emerge from your heart where you have a respect for what you're doing. You have a respect for God. You have a respect for people. And you want to do your best for people. And then there's an element of sacrifice. That has to come in there uh, that I think many people miss because the sacrifice comes in not loving your own life. See, there's a, a an element where uh, people will persecute you. Uh, they'll backbite you. They'll malign you. Uh, even, and I'm talking about people that you have helped and continue to help. People can be taking money from you and talking about you all at the same time. And so we have to understand that this is a sacrificial life from day one. You never elevate yourself above the sacrifice. And I think this is where people get in trouble. Because they they don't want to live the sacrificial life anymore. They want all the perks. See, if you let the blessings of God start being appreciated in your flesh, you're going to have trouble somewhere down the line. Just just a little warning that, that somehow people have gotten to the point where they either think they're entitled to it, deserve it. See, the first thing that happens to you when you're blessed, the devil comes and tells you you don't deserve it. And if you're foolish enough to have a conversation with him and try to spend time proving to him you deserve something, you've already stepped your foot in the trap. See? Because with God, blessings are gifts. They're not deserves. They're always gifts. I don't care if you use your faith. I don't care if you fasted and prayed. I don't care if you sowed a tremendous seed. It's always a gift. And once you take it off that level, you've already stepped and your foot's in a snare already and you don't even know it. And so Moses in in Exodus chapter 3 if you'll turn there and there, we're, we know that Moses killed an Egyptian. The 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 uh, understanding of his Hebrewness <laughs> came upon him. He was born a Hebrew. We know that he was raised as uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. She adopted him. The nice thing was his own mother cared for him and nursed him when he was a baby. So <clears throat> you can see the mercy of God throughout his life. And uh, his mother was able to uh, take care of her own son, at least for a season. So uh, they always kind of knew what was going on with Moses, even though he was raised as royalty uh, in the natural sense. He had lots of natural advantages. And so there came a time, though, when Moses began to feel a kinship with the Hebrew people. And he did it through seeing one of the uh, Hebrew men who was a slave. They were enslaved to, to, to the pharaohs by then. Seeing him uh, beaten by one of the uh, Egyptian guards that was in charge of, of a group of slaves. And so Moses got so angry that he killed the Egyptian and buried his body in the sand. And so uh, somebody said something about it to him. It was known. He fled to Midian, which is a, an outlying area uh, probably a, 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 an area where if you went and you made friends with somebody you can kind of live peaceably and that's what he did he went to the high priest in that area 
and made friends with him and they allowed him to stay there Moses eventually married his daughter and uh, they had a family and after all of this is settled you know sometimes you think well I'm married I got this I got that life is good I can rest and then all of a sudden God shows up (laughs) he's on the back side of the desert The king of Egypt that, or the pharaoh of Egypt that had been looking for Moses now is dead. And so when, when things die off that used to oppose us, it's a time for a new thing. You see, what's, that's God's pruning. So God prunes off a leadership branch that was fighting Moses and fighting his people and so now it's time for Moses to step up to the plate you need to understand this God doesn't he doesn't care how old you are when this happens you got me Moses is 80 by this time and so it's one of those things where it is kind of like you know it happens when it happens and God brings time with him he brings life with him he brings energy with him he brings everything that you need with him so that when you understand that God brings all of the, the equipment with him that is against you, then you'll settle in and you'll appreciate who God is. You want to work for him instead of like most people grudging what we do from God from time to time. But we ain't like that, right? We love the Lord and we want to do what he wants us to do. So in uh, Exodus chapter 3, Moses kept the flock of Jethro. This is verse 1. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And led the flock to the back side of the desert, came to the mount of God, even to Mount Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire and looked out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire, but it wasn't consumed. So we know that it's talking about when God calls you, he'll get your attention. Oftentimes he'll get it with a sign, some kind of sign or an answer to prayer or something uh, where God makes himself known to you. Those of you who are praying for loved ones, know this. God knows how to make himself known to everybody. You know, I mean, I don't care how rough a customer they are, you know, every every. Family's got a, a ne'er do well malefactor and a, 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 a no good nick in the family. And so he'll even save them too. He knows how to make himself known to everybody. So with Moses, he does it with this great sight. Why the bushes burn is not burnt and it's on fire. When God saw he'd got Moses' attention, and that's the key to all of this, God has to get our attention. He's got to get our attention. Many times people give God their attention for a season and when it doesn't look so sunny they go back to what they were doing. Hmm? Remember the disciples after Jesus was crucified they went back fishing. See they weren't as committed in their hearts as they thought they were. You got me. Even though he told them everything. You know how it is when you hear. That's why the Bible tells us to be careful how we hear. Because we hear we hear the good part. We hear what we want to hear. And then the part that we don't like so well we turn the volume down on. And that's what they did when Jesus would talk about his death and resurrection. They just turned the volume down on the part they didn't want to hear. Huh? Because they all fled from him when he was being un- unjustly persecuted. 
and and crucified. So they didn't want to hear that part because if they had heard that part, they'd have stuck by to see. I said, man, this is getting good now because he said he go raise from the dead on the third day. I think I'll hang around. Got me? Everybody's looking for a sign and a miracle to watch, but they didn't believe what he had told them. And so uh, Moses then is, is there at the burning bush. God begins to speak to him. And then God sees that he's got his attention. That's all God wants to see out of any of us. Is that he has our attention. He's got to see. That's why the Bible says promises healing to those that, that keep their eyes. That don't let the word depart from their eyes and give it their full attention. There's a reward for giving God your full attention. There's a reward for not being distracted. There's a reward for putting aside what you want to do and focusing. There's a reward for that. Always. Always a reward for that. And so when he saw he had turned aside, God called to him in the middle of the bush, from the middle of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, and say, he said, here am I. He said, don't come near him. Put, put your shoes from off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Whenever God shows up, he begins to teach us his ways. He's not there just to chit and chat with you. He's not there. He begins to bring us up to his standard. He's there to make a change in everybody. We don't change him. He changes us for the better. So God begins to mold Moses into the man that he needs him to be for the work he's called to do. That happens day one that you're saved. Day one. I remember so many days going back into the word. I would read the word for a little bit and I would have to go back and read it again. That was God continuing to draw me, draw me, draw me back into the word because he had to show me certain things. He had to give me certain truths. He had to build me up on the inside. And I can remember reading my Bible for hours and then I said, well, what was that? I didn't quite get that. I go right back again, you know, for more. And so this is how God does when he's preparing us for something he has to have his way in these things and so he begins by teaching Moses how to worship him how to respect him and how to know the difference between the holy and the profane from the flesh and the spirit this is a gotta be for everybody this is something that should happen day one that we're saved and many of us know you can get in churches that are so free they don't teach you the basics you know so you have nothing to ground you to the reality of a holy life because you've never been taught the difference between the holy and the profane that's really what the priest is supposed to do that's the job of the priest and that's you and that's me but we got to be taught the difference ourselves and not get them mixed up and not keep the water muddy all of our lives you know you got to learn how to to keep sacred what's sacred and how to respect and respond to holy things and so and how to keep yourself holy so that you walk with God and, and separate it set apart from the world and your mind and your deeds and your your dress and your talk all of that kind of stuff has to come up to God's standard you know God's got a standard folks he's he's God and so he he begins to work with Moses and he kind of taps into some things that need to be dealt with. And so 
God introduces himself. First of all he teaches Moses reverence, respect and how to appreciate God's holiness. Moreover he said I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. That's God's pattern for people folks when people cry out he raises up a deliverer when people pray he raises up an answer when people touch his heart and he sees that something's going on and it's wrong it's not right it's not just it's not fair he will take care of it by raising somebody up we cannot take care of these things ourselves don't even try I see people get upset about not being treated right and they want to go and tell everybody off and get everybody straight and all this kind of stuff that will never work for you it will backfire every time because what you've got in your hand is something of the flesh and you're trying to make the flesh do a spiritual work and it won't happen so we're yet carnal when we start doing those things and, 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 and too desperate for our deliverance you should never be desperate for anything except the presence of God. Huh? As the deer pants after the water, that's that's legitimate. But desperate for things, for position, for relief from things, you don't get desperate for that. What you really need is the presence of God. You don't need people to do things for you or people to respect you or people to have a certain attitude towards you or give you anything. You need God. You know, you just need more of the presence of God. And so God begins to show us that. And he begins to show this to Moses. And so he says, moreover, I'm the God of your father, etc. And he says, I'm, I'm going to deliver my people from the hands of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a good land. Large, flowing with milk and with honey. Place of the Canaanite, Amorite. So he's laying all of his plan before Moses. I don't think Moses really heard anything except I've called you as a deliverer. You know, I want you to deliver my people. Everything else, boom. And that's why I say we, we focus sometimes more on the thing that pertains to us making us insecure feel inadequate and all that whatever upsets us that's what we listen to you got me and focus on oh how am I going to do this look he didn't messed up my life now nah, I was doing good I was just you know just got married got these kids and you know my father-in-law's a decent guy I'm making a good living now I got to go do something else he always does that why because God's vision is to conquer things for other people we're not here just for us. And the more we realize that, and, and trust me, at some point, even your, your comfortable life is going to get to be a problem for you. Huh? Happens to everybody. See, people married 20 years, go off and divorce somebody. I know anything was wrong. Well, apparently something was. And there's nothing wrong except the devil's messing with somebody's head. And they don't know enough to fight him. 
And so that's how these things happen. But see, if we'll learn and get into the flow of God, sometimes these things can be averted, avoided, and headed off. If we'll submit to God and get in there with God and start to understand God's ways. And so there's always a departure from our comfortable life. For God to put something new into our hands. That's all he's trying to do. Sometimes, and and, you know, I hate to say it, but with some people, if they didn't suffer a loss, they would never turn to God. That's very common for people to do. In times of loss, in times of stress, they're always looking to God. And sometimes if you keep your focus on God, he'll start to show you some things. Instead of just that little, well, you know, God, why did this happen to me? And they don't really want to know the answer. And they just go on about their lives when they're feeling better. God wants to make a, a change in our lives so that he consumes our lives. He just, he has his way with us the way he intended from the beginning. God never intended for us to live and have a life apart from him. Never. And we all know it doesn't work. You can, you can have smooth sailing through this life and then wind up in hell at the end of it. What, what, what's the purpose of that? And so there's always a place where God wants to intervene in our life for the better so he tells Moses when I bring these people out they're going to have something better not worse but better and so he wants Moses to communicate that to them and verse 9 it says now the cry of the children of Israel has come to me I've seen their oppression I've seen how the he said I'm with you in that Moses he said I see what you see when you left Egypt you saw how oppressed they were I see the same thing when God, when there's trouble going on or there's injustice, God sees it just like we do. He just doesn't react to it the same way we do. See? God's not going to get in the flesh about it. He's got no flesh to get into. And he's not going to help us get in the flesh about it. And he's not going to know. He's not going to understand our fleshly reaction to it. Because that's not necessary. He wants to give us something that works. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to put something new into our hands. Take the old out. Put the new in. So in verse 11. Moses said to God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring forth the children of out of Israel. In other words, I'm not a priest. I'm not a minister. I have no power. And God is thinking, you're just the person for the job. I don't need somebody who wants to work in their own strength. I don't need somebody who wants to work in their own power. I don't need somebody who wants to lord it all over people when they get in charge of them. I want somebody who is going to serve and do what I tell them to do. That's all he wants. He wants a servant. And so in verse 12 he says, certainly I will be with you. Hmm? That's all you need to know. God promises to be with us. He will if we will do what he says. Obey his commands. Stay out of the flesh. Stay out of self. Stay out of insecurity. Stay out of fear. Stay out of all those old things that used to characterize our lives. So what Moses is saying. God I've got a, a background. I've got a past. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've got problems. I've got insecurities. I've got fears. He's got the same thing you and I have. Got the same thing everybody else has. 
Everybody that God calls has a history. We Sometimes we have a history of weakness. We have a history of not completing things. We have a history of not getting involved and not wanting to take on too much. Finding a little comfort zone where we can stay in there. We're very happy there. We're upset if somebody takes us out. You know, the baby in the playpen or in the pool, you know, little babies can splash in water forever. You take them out, they cried getting in there, not in there. They like it. You take them out, they don't like that. You know, we're like that. We don't know what we want. We don't know what we like. So God takes us out of the whole situation and puts us into a whole new zone. He has a whole new life for us instead of us having to sort through the old and try to pick and choose what's good about us, what's bad. He said, eh, scrap the whole thing. Scrap the whole thing. I'm starting over new. And the main important thing that's going to help you is to know that I will be with you. If you find one day I'm not with you, call upon me in humility and worship me and I will come back and I will find you. And so Moses is able to understand at least that God has an answer for all his whining and all his complaining. And he says this will be a token to you that I have sent you. He says, when you come out, when you brought the people out. Now this is interesting. People, this is for people who want 15 confirmations before they step out in God. And you'll see why that's not appropriate. And that's not the way God works with people. He says, when you have brought the people out, you'll get a sign. You get no signs before you come back to this mountain. He says you will bring the people back and worship at this mountain. That's how you'll know I'm with you. You don't have to feel me. You don't have to touch me. You don't have to quicken. You don't have to jerk. You don't have to. Your sign will be when you do what I tell you to do. You'll see the fruit of it. You'll know it works. And that's how you know. We are known by our fruit. Not our signs. God can work a sign through us, over us, in spite of us. Hmm? You have to know God. This is how you know God's with you. You complete the assignment. And you get the results that he told you that you were going to get through a completed assignment. Not through steps in between. Well, God, show me a token for good. I know that's in the scriptures. And I know sometimes God does that. But I've never seen a person that got a token for good that believed any stronger. You still had to go back and get in your word and build your faith and get yourself to the next level. So don't play God. He knows what he's doing. So he says, this will be the token that that to know that I'm with you when you have brought those people out you're going to bring them right back here and they're going to worship on this mountain so I'm going to send them back to Egypt where you came from when you had to flee Egypt you came here and you met me on this mountain you're going to do the same thing with the rest of those people in other words what I brought you through to this point I'm going to take everybody else to through this point in other words Moses I've been with you all along if you pay attention you got me his patterns and his ways are always the same 
always the same. That's the good thing about God. You can look in the Bible and see what he did for anybody and you'll know exactly what he'll do for you. If you'll follow in the steps that he gives you to, to step in. So <clears throat> Moses hears this. Moses said to him, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, Now this is his fear talking. You know how your imagination can rehearse things? This is what he's doing. See, God, when I go to them people, and I tell them what you said, they're going to say this. And they gonna... All of a sudden, he's a prophet to God, right? <laughs> When I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me, what are they going to say to me? What's his name? What am I going to tell them then? God says, tell them I am. In other words, tell them I'm alive. I've seen you. I know what's going on. And I'm coming to deliver you. Amen. This is the big God that's talking. And God said, Moreover to Moses, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. He is the pre-existent God. I'm the God that was before your father Abraham. Huh? I'm the God who called him and and gave him his son Isaac and and the tribes after them. I'm that same God. I promised to come for you then and I am coming for you now. The time for your deliverance is here. He said, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. So he says, really, all you need to do is tell the people that I am coming to deliver them because I've heard their prayer. You are an answer to prayer for these people. And he says, and I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. And, and, and God is reminding them of promises that he's made to them now somebody in that group of people must have a, a, a verbal history in their ears and in their minds of God's dealings with those people and they can validate this and this is what God is counting on he's counting on the knowledge of those people to understand that it's time for their deliverance so what probably happens in situations like this is that <clears throat> there are some elders of each tribe and the job of the elders was to keep the oral history of that people to know the generations to know who belongs to who to know what was said what was handed down from the fathers etc etc so really Moses isn't telling these people anything new he's only bringing it up into the now for them he's bringing it up into their present he's making it known that it's time for this and that's all he's doing so he's really stirring up and awakening something in the people that's already there he's not putting anything new in there and I think that's true for everybody who preaches you're not giving anybody anything revolutionary and groundbreaking door busting and you know going to keep you up you know uh, talking in tongues all night you're giving them something that fits in with the gospel that they've already heard and that it, it makes sense to them and they're getting stirred that now is the time and this guy is our deliverer. 
And so God begins to tell him, he says, and they're going to listen to you. When you tell them everything that I've done, I'm the same God of their fathers. And the elders will begin to reiterate what you say. They'll begin to tell them. Now, he's not telling them all this, but this is how things were done then. Remember when Moses had to, to rule the people and he didn't know how he was going to do it? God said, appoint elders from all the tribes to hear the small cases. You know, And those people understood God's word. They were ready to hear God's word. So he's not dealing with a totally ignorant people. He's being called out as the leader of these people because God wants to use him. He was called from the beginning. Many times people are called and they they don't find a kinship with the people they're called to lead. You know, there's sometimes you might you might come from a background you've never been in church and and you'll come want to pass the somebody wants you to pastor a church or people generations of churchgoers and you feel a little different. Well God has called you, if God placed you there, He knows that you have a kinship, He'll find a way for you to fit there. At least you'll be able to function and do the work God wants you to do. Sometimes they need to have fresh blood in some congregations. So the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. Verse 18. Now let us go. Three days journey. This is what he's going to tell Pharaoh. He said I'm sure the king of Egypt won't let you go. No not by a mighty hand. And I'll stretch out my hand. And smite Egypt with all my wonders. And all I'll do in the midst thereof. And after that he'll let you go. So everything that Moses is going to experience. God tells him at the beginning of his call. This is very common. At the beginning of your call, if you will sit down and listen to God. Many people listen as far as the title and then they get off and run and tell everybody. Like Chicken Little. Huh? I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. You know. And they never get any farther because they're trying to live off the seed of their call and not letting that seed get buried on the number one if you start telling everybody you'll get 15 people who will tell you you're not called to do something that'll learn they'll teach you to keep your mouth shut huh because there's all kind of haters out there to tell you they'll and many of them have seen the call of God on you and they won't respect it because they don't like that God called you and not them these things are best kept like Mary kept them and pondered it in her heart. There's a place for things to lie buried on the inside of us. And then let the fruit manifest if that tree is real. You got me? And so when God begins to call people like that. He already has worked out in them what that call is. And he tells Moses from A to Z everything that's going to happen at ministry. Everything. It's laid out totally. I remember Miriam Hellman saying that that she had, when God called her, he had given her the the first chapter of a a book, an Old Testament book. And she says she read down as far as like the first three verses and tried living out the first three verses until she started running into financial problems. And she said, then I saw if I read the whole thing, I would have had the faith that God would provide all the finances. She said, but we struggle financially for years. Because that was all that I thought was important is what I was going to do and that kind of stuff. She said, you just, you know, you're like that. And so it's good to meditate on what God gives you over and over and over again until it begins to be real to you. It takes root in there and it makes sense to you and you're confident that it will manifest. 
They see he even tells them how they're going to come out. They're going to come out with all their neighbor's jewelry and possessions and all of that kind of stuff. Kind of like, okay, Moses, if if what I told you so far don't turn you on, how about this? The money at the end of the rainbow, you know. (laughs) So Moses, of course, hears none of that. All he's concerned about is his inadequacy and his deficiency. And so God knows that he has to take care of that with Moses. And he has a remedy for it. He has a remedy for all of our deficiencies. And all of our insecurities. And that is the cross. That we are to die to self. Don't look for any strength on your own. Don't look for any power on your own. And don't let it upset you. That you have a sense that you're weak without him. This is where people go off the rails. They find that they're powerless without God and they don't like that. And they start looking for some kind of false power or some kind of false remedy to that that feeling of inadequacy. But God in our weakness will show strength if we'll stay weak and let God deal with it. Many times we're weak and we try to deal with it on on our own. You know the old methods. You know, go and and get somebody to lay hands on us uh, the hundredth time. Or go and try and find somebody who will uh, encourage us the wrong way in the flesh. That, you know, we're this and we're that and we're the other. And that never works. And so what we have to do is just bow to that weakness, accept that weakness, and let that weakness rule until God raises us up in his power. And sometimes it'll look like you're going to go under, but that's just what it looks like. As long as you're being obedient to God and not picking up anything false on your own or trying to assert yourself or trying to get some some privilege or something that you're not entitled to, then God will come for you. Many times we'll see people who have uh, money problems, poverty problems. They'll gravitate toward prosperity messages. And they'll grab that's all all that is, is you're being driven by your own weakness in the flesh to try to get a flesh remedy. Because you're not willing to accept God's way of doing that. God's way of doing it is you prosper and you are in health as your soul prospers. Your soul's got to start thinking wealth and contentment and power in God before you'll ever see that in the natural. And people don't like that. It's not fast enough. It's not quick enough. Doesn't seem to take care of the problem. But you come back 10 years later and if you don't do it God's way, that problem's still going to be bugging you. It's still going to be hanging over you. And it's still going to be dominant over you because you've not let it go to do it God's way. And so God wants Moses to get himself in position to lead his people out so they can worship him. And that's the the bottom line of everything we do in God. God wants us to affect people for good. He wants us to draw people to him. Forget about you. You step to the side and let God through you draw people to him. And that's what God wants Moses to do. To step aside. And when I'm with you, I'm the big deal. They'll see me. They'll hear my words through you. They'll hear that voice of God that's able to draw them and help them. And they, you will not be a concern in this at all if you do things my way, Moses. And so, <clears throat> verse uh, 4 verse 1, Moses answered, he still got some butts. Huh? 
He answers with a but. But look God they won't believe me. And they won't listen to my voice. They'll say the Lord really hasn't shown you anything. You haven't been with the Lord. The Lord said to him what's that in your hand? And he said to him a rod. God says throw it down on the ground. Take it by the tail. Put forth your hand and caught it. Became a rod in his hand again. So here God is preparing Moses. Moses is saying they won't believe that you call me for real. They won't believe that you're with me. How do I convince people that you are with me? So God then begins to do signs before Moses. Because number one, Moses probably doesn't believe that that's God talking to him. So he's the first hard head that God's got to convince. And so he then begins to deal with the unbelief that Moses has in him that he is projecting on the people. So what happens is when we're called of God to do great things and we feel inadequate, we'll start to point the blame on the outside, but really we're the ones that's the biggest problem. And God knows that. So that's why he, God said, listen, don't worry about them people. I got this. I'm concerned about you believing me and doing what I told you to do. You understand what I'm saying? Just trust me that I'm with you. So Moses sees his problem as a people problem. And that's what faces most of us most of the time. It's, it, if it's not, if it's not ministry and, and people following and, you know, having enough people or not too many people or did I teach the people enough and is everybody sitting out there saved or how do I get them all saved if they're not saved? All that kind of stuff. People problem. He says they won't believe me that you sent me or follow me. So he also has a confidence problem. So really it's not so much that Moses is saying the people won't believe me because he knows they won't believe him. It's that Moses has a problem. How am I going to get all these people to listen to me? I've never had an opportunity to find out if I can draw people. As a matter of fact, Moses is seen for the most part as an enemy of the Hebrew people because he's raised in Pharaoh's household. He talks like an Egyptian. That's why he's not confident about his speaking to the people. He doesn't know the language very well. And so here we have all of these issues coming up, which is good for Moses to bring them up before God. But let me tell you this. Once they come up, uh, you know, if there's something that's a problem for you, people problem they won't listen to me problem they don't respect me problem they talk back to me problem I don't like the way they roll their eyes when I say certain things when I preach any of those problems that come up the people problems once they are confessed between you and God you must trust God to get rid of those for you the, for the most part let me tell you what God does he does not do anything to change people so much he changes the vessel that he's using because people are going to be people. God can get more work done changing a preacher than he can trying to change everybody out there so the preacher will feel more comfortable. 
Does that sound reasonable for any God to do anything? How can he, he's, you're not there for you to be comfortable in the role God called you to. You're called to have faith in God to get that job done. And the sign that he's in you, you're not going to see that sign until you've convinced them people and got them right back there on that mountain again. So you're not going to be convinced that people are listening to you or anything like that until God shows you the fruit that you're supposed to get out of the situation. That's why many times we get discouraged witnessing to people. Because they don't bite the first time we offer we're offended. You know, poor you. How would you like to continue to do it for years and years and years and so few people bite? You wonder if God even sent you. You got me? And so we have to do everything we do by faith. It's got to be a faith thing that you continue to do what God has called you to do. So Moses has more confidence in the problem than he does in God as the answer. And he's not aware that all of his problems are a part of his old nature. Any problem that we have after we're born again, that problem is arising out of our old nature. It's your old emotions that are perceiving things as a problem. It's your old way of thinking that's defeating you and making you feel alone and unworthy and all that. It's the old stuff that's getting you down. The only thing we can do with that old thing is let it go. Let it totally go. And quit feeding it and trying to make it real and trying to make it strong and trying to make it work. Because it's not going to work. So God's remedy for our weakness and our sense of inadequacy is to prove that us to us that his power is with us and upon us for good and to accomplish his will. You may not get what you think you need out of the deal. But you'll get what God called you to get. See, many times we're asking for the wrong thing because we think we need this and we think we have to have this and we think we have to do this. We think we have to have to have to. That's the old man trying to interfere in the new thing that God has for us. So when God tells Moses to throw that rod down, it's to challenge Moses That you can lay down your former life. You can lay down everything of your flesh. Everything of your being. Everything of your self-righteousness. Everything of your uh, uh, self-depreciation. Not thinking much. You can lay everything down and trust me. And I will be with you and I will accomplish what I want to accomplish and not what you think is important in this situation. I can tell you one thing. We've got a lot of people out here called that don't understand the first thing about what God's after. They don't understand the first thing. You can see the type of people they gravitate to. They always want to gravitate toward the people that are, are they think, they think are doing great things. See, they think are doing great things. And it's never the people that God wants to bless them with. I've seen this happen. Uh, you know, there's, there are ministers that, you know, they want to be in a certain company and God places them in that company. And then when they find out that's not where they're supposed to be, it doesn't fulfill them. Then they want to quit, period. You know, they backslide or something like that. And then God restores them and they come back and now they're small. 
So they got to start with small congregations and all, and the devil haunts them. Remember you used to have, you're going to that little church, you used to have the 15 times that many people. You can't go there because that's too small. You got to wait on God to bring you something bigger and something bigger never comes. Could it be that maybe they were called to that from the beginning and they just worked their way into where they were to start out with? Just a thought. Just a thought. Because you'd rather be a gatekeeper. You know what a gatekeeper is? Just somebody who draws the tent back and closes back and forth, back and forth. Has no face, no name. People don't notice them. If they speak to you, they speak. If they don't, they don't owe you anything. It's just to open up and let people in. And see, we've got many people who want to be more than that. Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. If he could be a gatekeeper and be satisfied with it and glad for it, why can't we? Why can't his servants? We're not higher than the master. How dare we elevate ourselves to some place that we're not called to. And more and more you see people get there and they can't hold on. You know? So then God has to prove that him being with us is all we really need. That's that's what he's trying to do with Moses. Just the fact that I'm with you. That's going to have to be enough for you Moses. You can't you can't want to remedy all your weaknesses. You might have to live with some of them for a while. Hmm? You might have to live with them forever. You know, there are times we miss things God had for us because we thought we knew what He had for us. You got me. And so when you when you know though that the most important thing is God being with you, then you'll content yourself with that. And so God wants to prove to us that His power is with us and upon us for good and accomplish His will, not ours. Which is his will is always part of the new not the old. Now the new is unfamiliar to us. And what do we do when things are unfamiliar? We drop it, run and tear and go back to what's comfortable. Huh? If you, you watch sometimes little children that you're trying to teach to dive off a little shallow diving board right down into mommy or daddy's hands. And they go back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth, and you know, because that's taking them out of their comfort zone into an area that they, where they sense danger, but they'll never know if they can survive it or not if they don't take the plunge. And that's what we have to do is you'll never know if any of this stuff God told you He's going to do through you is ever going to take the, the uh, uh, come to pass if you don't take the plunge. You've got to be confident that he is with you and that's all you need. You don't need a lot of support. You don't need a lot of encouragement. You don't need everybody telling you did a good job. You don't need that. What you need is to get a relationship with God where you can walk in faith whether you ever hear it or not. You don't need it. Your flesh is crying out for it. You need to tell your flesh once and for all, I'm not going the old way anymore. I'm not going to indulge you anymore. 
I don't need that. I need to get myself right before God. And once I know I'm right with God, I don't have to keep begging for attention that I'm okay. Many of the ministers that we see that, are, you know, got a plane, got a this, got a that, got the other. They don't need these things. And it's not always true that, that God's told them they have permission for these things. Same thing with the facelift crowd. Why would you do that as a minister and announce it? Well, you announce it because everybody can tell what you did. But then we see the fruit of that kind of activity. Where maybe somebody, maybe you were secure in that you can get that done and that's it. And you know, go on about your merry way. But maybe somebody you know another minister lady is not as secure and she goes and has too much done at one time with the wrong doctor she wasn't led by God now she's at Betty Ford because she can't get off the painkillers I mean are a few wrinkles getting a few wrinkles worth it Now a lot of people think it doesn't make any difference, but it does. The example, you are a witness. You're a witness. You are a witness to the life that God has called you to. Drawing people to your fruit, to your tree, to your branches. Keep that in mind when you step out and do anything. I'm talking about anything. Well, I don't see any harm in it. I do. We're seeing it now. We're seeing every other minister now. You don't even recognize him anymore. That little doctor, Benny Hinn's doctor, doctor, what's his name? Scared me. I said to her, I said, who is that? He called him by name. I said, that's the same guy that was with him at his crusades. He didn't look the same. He had his face redone so many times. And see, what happens is they give the okay to the body of Christ for things that have not to do with what God sent them for. To whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes much restraint is required when you're given much by God. But see, we think we got to have license to do everything. How about some restraint sometimes? How about saying, you know what, I think I'll pass on that. That's not necessary for me. I don't have to have that. And if I get that, what's that going to do for others who? We're an example, folks. And see, we're upset when people don't aren't drawn to us the way we want them to be. But if you do exactly what God tells you to do in all situations, he'll draw them to you. But if there's fallout, there's fallout for a reason. And so we have to be careful the example that we set before people. You got me? And people don't like this kind of preaching. Let me tell you why. It takes the fun out of all this. If we can live sloppy and we can live any kind of way, we're happy. But if we have to live with some kind of discipline, limits, and restraints, then it's no fun anymore. But it's godly. Godly people know how to make sacrifices at the appropriate time for things that they need in God. Yeah, I had people tell me when my when my husband had passed away, should I pray for you a husband? I said, No, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Let me talk to God about it first. 
you understand what I'm saying? You can, you can want, you know, don't be so anxious. You know, pray for me to be successful in what he's called me to do. That's what I'm working on right now. You understand what I'm saying? If people could, could really get your heart for real, they wouldn't ask such crazy things. Those are things you don't have to pray for as far as I'm concerned. If it's on the road, if I obey God and that's on the road, trust me, I'll know it before you will. You got me? But you can't put things into people's lives that God has not designed for them when he's designed it for them. It's just craziness. So anyway, God wants us to know that his power is with us only if we release the old forever. Problem with people is in times of stress. In times of pressure and feeling inadequate, they go pick up the old weapons and start trying to work with those and fight with those instead of staying with the new. I'd rather lay down my life and not say what I want to say. Not speak what I want to speak. Not demand what I'm trying to demand and let and see God vindicate me than to rise up in some kind of false power and get a temporary remedy for a permanent problem that I have. Problem isn't without, it's within. And if we will let God address what's within and continue with God, we'll see the glory of God. In fact, many of the things we think are problems won't even be there if we stay focused on Him. They'll be swallowed up in His glory. They'll be swallowed up in His goodness. So in verse 2, the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? So this is the challenge. This is the, the challenge to see if we'll let go of our fleshly limitations and our fleshly abilities and wait on God's abilities to come. Many times we want quick and easy answers. We want a fast remedy. And these problems will linger. And it's because we really have not let the flesh go. When it comes to getting our remedy and getting our solution. We all have a what's in your hand experience if we belong to God. Hmm? What are you doing with your life now? That might be what's in your hand. What kind of career have you chosen? That might be it. What, 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 What are you busy with when I find you? Huh? What are you busy with? And so <clears throat> this experience is for the lay believer and for the fivefold believer. Everybody's got to find out what it is that they rely on, that they get their strength from, that they get their confidence from, that they get their abilities from. They've all got to know what that is and your limitations. What are your inadequacies? What are your insecurities? What are your fears? What are the things that you don't love? What are the things that you need to conquer? And so this rod in his hand represents many things. The rod actually represents uh, that rod was a branch off of a tree. So that rod represents your, your foundation and what you draw from. Because a branch always draws sustenance from the ground and feeds the fruit or feeds the tree. The branch we also know represents Jesus. He was the branch from the root of Jesse. A branch also represents your tribe. It represents your family. Your natural kin. That's what's in your hand when you start. 
The rod also is a rod of chastening. Your rod represents your disciplines and your limitations. For instance, when when uh, uh, um, people would would go walking, they often used that rod to assist them as they were walking. If you're walking on a flat surface, you probably used it very little. But say you got to a mountainous area where that that rod had to sustain you. Well, it it limited where you were able to go. If you couldn't get high up with that rod, you had to turn around and come back down. So that rod is a discipline in where you go and where you don't go. It holds you in to a certain limitation of behavior. The rod of chastening, also we know that when when parents want to discipline their children, they let them know stop that with the rod of chastening. The rod also represents a scepter. as extended out and it represents you as a ruler, your authority and your power. That's what that rod represents. The rod can also be a weapon. So the same thing that you lean on can be something that you use to defend yourself and to harm somebody else with. And that's important to know. Uh, it, It can be for throwing as in a lance. Something that will spear somebody. It assists you in walking. We said that as a staff. Something you lean upon. It's your support. The rod also as a staff of life represents bread. So that rod really. If you look at all that supplies it's like God. Your rod is like your God. Because it represents it's a symbol of help for everything that we need to sustain our lives. So for Moses to lay that down is a type of what we're called to do in Christ. To lay down our old life and pick up the life of Christ. So that's what this putting the rod down, picking it up again and then peeing up under God's instruction. So we lay it down and then we can use our abilities under God's instruction. So he tells Moses to cast that thing on the ground. The ground represents. Okay. Oh, let me tell you one more thing about the the rod. The rod represents natural help when it was thrown on the ground. But that natural help is only enough for one person. That rod was your personal rod. And it helped you, but it wasn't a help to anybody else. It's only help for one person. When God makes you lay that down, he's got in mind help for a whole nation. So that's why it's legitimate for God to tell you to put it down. I can't use it. I don't want it. I'm removing it from your life. I don't want you to pick it up anymore. It's not good for where I got you going. Because what I have in mind for you is going to take a whole lot more than what you're able to provide. Because your mind is only able to think about what you need, what you want, what you, (laughs) you, 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 you. And that's normal for a natural person. 
But God's taken us out of the natural and taking us into a whole different realm. He wants to bring us into his kingdom and his vision for us. And if God's going to get involved in something in your life, it's going to help more than just you. That's why many times we struggle so long in certain things that pertain to us. He's telling us, take no thought for that. Leave that alone. Lay it down. Let me have it. Don't pick it up anymore until I tell you to pick it up. As he did with Moses. Verse 3 said, he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. The ground represents carnality. It represents the dust from which man was formed. It represents the lower life. The lower level of living. So when, what, when your life is, is coming up from below, it's going to be carnal. It's going to be limited. It won't even take care of you most days. But when it starts coming from above, that's when the multiplication comes that's when the increase comes that's when the good part comes that's when the end result of God comes is when you lay it down don't pick it up for anything let God bring it back to you because he wants to bless you from above he cannot do both at the same time if your heart's divided and you're only thinking about what's good for you and you're concerned about you so much you won't get it from God I can tell you right now But if you'll let your thoughts come from above, if you keep your mind focused on things that are above where Jesus is, he'll bless you in such a way you won't even have time to notice what you're blessed with. To be honest with you, your your mind will be on the next meeting or it will be on the next something you have to do for God. That blessing, you've thanked him for it already. And you got it sitting somewhere and you haven't even had a chance to open it up yet. But you know it's there. You got me? Your focus is on. That's when you can really live, folks. When you get your focus beyond what your little world consists of. And you let God open up his world to you. You'll see your place in it. So God wants us to know that he has a whole nation in mind. That's what he had in mind for Moses. He said, "Uh uh-uh, that little rod you got, (laughs) throwing it on the ground and stuff. (laughs) So when, when it was thrown to the ground, God turned it into a serpent. We said that the ground represents the natural man or the carnal man. In the natural, our power becomes devilish. That's why it turns into the serpent. And it's not, if not right away, then eventually it will. The devil will get a hold of anything that you don't devote to God. Without God with us, we are easy prey for the devil. Easy. Moses ran from the serpent, which is a good thing. Because in Egyptian culture, serpents were worshipped and revered. People didn't have enough sense to stay away from them. He at least was afraid of it. So you can see some of that Egypt that come out of him after all that time. That was better than embracing it. So we must empty our hands before God before he will fill them. He does not fill full hands. He won't work alongside of your carnality. But if you will empty your hands he will fill them. We cannot embrace and use the carnal at the same time as the spiritual. We have to let go of one to use the other. God hates any mixture.
at me. He only uses what's pure. People tend to grade themselves. And they never want to make this type of determination. They never want to say just straight out, I am holy, I am righteous. They have a fear of of declaring who they are that God's called them to be. But they want to grade themselves on a curve. Well, I'm better than this person. I do more than that person and all this kind of stuff. And when you do that, that's carnality. You picked up the rod off the ground again. And you're trying to live out of carnal power. And that's where many people are. And that's why there's such failure sometimes in the body of Christ. Because the standard's not high enough. People quit going to churches because people seem everybody seems to have more than they do. Once your eyes get trained on checking out your neighbor's behavior, their faults, their triumphs, anything where you're comparing yourself to a false standard, you're going to lose. And, and you'll get highly discouraged. It's a trick of the devil. He likes for you to worship people. <laughs> that's all it's about is you put people in a much higher place than God puts them now the Bible says you're to esteem one another more highly than yourselves that's the love of God you can put aside what you want to do for the sake of your brother who has a need that's the love of God but as far as demanding something from a situation or demanding something for yourself you've dipped down into the carnal ranks of things and God won't honor that I'm supposed to have that when is it going to be my turn I'm just right now huh? people typically in church well I did so but I'm not as bad as brother so and so you see what he did or I'm not what I'm supposed to be but I ain't what I used to be well what are you huh this is nonsense. We're either holy or profane. We're either righteous or unrighteous. And we must make a decision about who we are before we can be of much use to God. He'll use the little bit we let him have. But if you continue to vacillate in your identity and you don't understand clearly who you are and you don't humble yourself to what God calls you you're going to have you're going to be in bad shape you know you got to humble yourself to what he calls you backsliders backslide because they have never decided who they are their minds can be changed quickly about their identity one day they're feeling wonderful next day they feel in the dumps and they live like it and so you have to uh to do that you have to take the the serpent by the tail don't let him bite you you got to cast him out if you take him by the tail then there's no danger to you that's why God had Moses do that verse 4 the Lord said to Moses put forth your hand and take that serpent don't be scared of that but but be wise pick it up by the tail don't try to grab it by the throat huh many times people you know what people's problem is they have problems but they're trying to take the problem by the throat instead of the tail with throats you get bit every single time you know you start striving with somebody over something you bickering back and forth and you know they say things to you you say things to them you're sorry you said it now you're looking stupid all that kind of stuff that's grabbing it by the throat why don't you take the devil serpent by the tail take it by the tail it turns into a support for you know what taking it by the tail means don't be so confrontational in the flesh 
don't be so apt to want to give your opinion or tell people how they make you feel or what they did to you and all this. Just let it go, okay? Pick it up by the tail. That's the humble place to be. And then let God show you how to dispose of the things that hurt your life and not right in your life. So we'll do that and follow God in things. There's no danger to us or others in anything that God calls us to do. And he wants us to know that. So when God called Moses and he saw that that rod turn into a serpent, that was a lesson for him. Don't take matters into your own hands. But follow me and do things as I tell you to do. Follow my instruction. And so when he put out his hand and picked it back up, it became a rod in his hand. Something safe to handle. So when God instructs you, there's no harm to you. There's no danger to you. Things won't get out of your control. Things aren't too uh, difficult for you. I don't care what the devil tells you. You know, you can't take any more. And you'll be glad when this happens so you can quit praying, I guess. I don't know what people think they're doing. But, you know, you wear yourself out. Because you're in the natural. Trying to resolve a supernatural problem. Hmm? People cross over all the time. You know, they want to, they want to do great things in God. And they don't know, the Bible says, if you're called to ministry, wait on your ministering. That means wait on the open door, wait on the anointing, wait on yourself to be developed enough, mature enough on the inside that you can handle what's going to come at you. One thing I can tell you is when you start speaking for God, especially in a pulpit, you can't defend yourself. You know, you this business of, you know, bickering back and forth with people if they don't like what you preached or they have a disagreement, you can't strive with people like that. You can't because it's not about you. If you don't understand that, then you need to back up a little bit and talk to God about where you're going and what you're doing you need to get that fixed because it's it, once you start speaking for God then God becomes your defense you you can't get up there and try to <laughs> do everything and say everything and get mad at people because they don't agree with you and all this kind of stuff it's not your word and it's not your sermon so if, if that's a problem then you have to deal with God on these things and it's God you got to Show me what what this is about. You got to show me how to go about resolving these things. You know, sometimes you want to help stamp out ignorance. But (laughs) it's Mike Murdoch's ministry. You're not called to that sometimes. Sometimes you're called to weep with those who weep and mourn with them who mourn. You got me? You can't stamp out nothing. And so, you know, it's it's just that way. You have to, you have to, Take what he put in your hand and use it the way he wants you to use it. So God equipped Moses with two signs. The rod that changed into a serpent. And also um, <clears throat> uh, the, the rod, the uh, leprosy when he put his hand in his bosom. And that is when you start trying to take care of yourself, I will reject you. Got me? Verse 7, put your hand into your bosom. I'm sorry. uh, And verse 6, put his hand into his bosom. When he took it out, his hand was leprous, as white as snow. He said, put it in there again. He put it in there a second time. He plucked it out and he says, behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. 
And it will come to pass if they won't believe you, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass if they will not believe also these two signs, nor listen to you, that you shall take the water of the river and turn that water, and I'll turn that water into blood before you. And so all of these signs mean something. We talked about the rod when it hit the ground becoming a serpent. Your gifts and your flesh and your carnality will only come back to bite you and other people. When the rod, when, in, when his hand went into his bosom, if you care more about yourself than you do about me, I'll reject you. Leprosy was a form of rebellion and rejection. And God put those people outside of the camp. They weren't a part of the congregation anymore. So God does not encourage rebellion. And he does not encourage self, you know, sense of self. Wanting to take care of you, putting you first. Amen. And so he rejects those two things. So this is him giving Moses laws for ministers. Hmm? Jesus said, if you love me, you're here to feed people. You're not here for you. Not here to to demand uh, first class plane tickets and all this kind of stuff. A certain amount of money before you go do something for God. You know, just because everybody does it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean God told you to do that. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you're putting a value and a monetary price on something that doesn't belong to you. That anointing belongs to God. If he put anything in you, it belongs to him. He didn't tell you to put a dollar value on these things. You know, people who you can tell when people are using their faith. They can go and rent big venues and not have to have any money up front because they're just doing what God told them to do. You got me? And depend on the money to come in from the offerings of the people as they come in. They don't need all you boosting them up. See? The arm, the rod, and the on the ground again. You get your directions from the ground, they're going to ground you. But if you get them from above, they'll take care of you. And so he has a two signs and he says it, the, the water from the river will become blood. Now the people worshipped the Nile River. They got everything from the Nile. They treated the Nile like it was their God. And so what God says, I'm going to take what they feed on all the time and make it distasteful to them. So they'll have to depend on me. If your water isn't drinkable, you're going to have to get it from another source. The water turning to into blood also symbolizes new life. A blood covenant is to come. And so that new life will come through the blood of his only begotten son. It will come through a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, why don't we stop. Father in heaven, we thank you for understanding and we thank you Lord for giving us the means to know all of the things that you called us to know Lord by your precious Holy Spirit and we thank you Jesus for being our Lord our God our maker and our creator and we bless you we thank you for it we thank you Lord we treasure you Father we thank you Father in Jesus name Amen praise God Amen if anybody needs prayer come on up